Hey, this is Stephen, and I want to welcome you or welcome you back to the Grove Church Podcast. For more information or to find more resources like this one, be sure to visit us at grove.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope the following message is encouraging and meaningful to your life. Good morning, guys. Welcome to the Grove. As Stephen said, we are so glad that you are worshiping here with us. My name is Ali Shulman. I'm one of the pastors here. And as much as I wish I could see all your smiling faces again in this space and shake your hands and give your kids hugs, this feels like a really good alternative to still worship together and be safe at home. I don't know how you all have been dealing with this pandemic and being confined to the four walls of your home, but one of the things that I've been doing recently is imagining all the wonderful places that are not Dallas that I want to go to after this is all said and done. And one of them is the beach. We have this family vacation planned in June, and I'm so excited about it, and I hope we get to go. And I've been thinking about going to the beach more and more often, and thinking about this one image keeps coming to me as I imagine visiting the beach again. It's this idea of something I like to do that happens almost every day at the beach. Have you ever been to a beach and watched a storm roll in? You can see them really far out. You can see the rain falling and the dark clouds and and then where you are is sunny and it feels like two different worlds and you watch it and over time, pretty quickly, that storm starts to come a little bit closer and you start to see the sky darken over you. Maybe the wind starts to pick up a little bit. You start to grab your stuff and start packing it in because you know you're gonna have to run soon and the rain starts falling and you run towards the house, that, that image has come to me because I, I feel like that's where we are in the middle of this COVID pandemic. You see, three weeks ago, believe it or not, I was in Colombia. I was not even here. I was enjoying a vacation with my husband and my siblings. I was looking and seeing the storm. It was happening in China. I saw it, and by the time I got back, it was in Italy. And it felt a little bit closer, but I I still wasn't packing up all my things and trying to come inside. But then, shortly after, my brother and sister-in-law got a stay-in-place order in San Francisco. And then we did. And then a week passed, and suddenly, I started to see the rain a little bit closer. Some of us have already felt that rain, but no matter where we are or how we've been affected, all of us feel like we're holding our breath, like we're at the edge of a storm that we know is about to hit and it's about to be bad. What's so interesting about this feeling and this image is That was the exact same thing that was happening to Jesus and his disciples on Palm Sunday years and years ago. You see, Palm Sunday is the day that we celebrate today. And usually it's a huge celebration. You make palms, you wave them, kids are dressed up. We're all really excited because Easter is coming. And we celebrate this day when Jesus came into Jerusalem and everyone recognized him as king. But underneath that story, there's another story 
a much more somber story. You see, for weeks, Jesus had told his disciples, I'm going to die. Something's going to happen. And over the course of those weeks, you can imagine that both Jesus and the disciples saw the storm coming. And by the time they got to Jerusalem on that Sunday, they felt some of that rain. They knew that the storm was about to hit and it was about to be bad. And on Thursday of that week, it did. You see, Jesus was with his disciples in a garden. He had taken them there after they had shared the Last Supper and after he had told them that Judas would betray him and Judas left and fled and we meet them back in the garden on that night. And scripture says, while Jesus was still speaking, Judas, one of the 12, came. And with him was a very large crowd carrying swords and clubs. They had been sent by the chief priests and elders of the people. His betrayer had given them a sign, arrest the man I kiss. Just then, to Jesus, he said, hello, rabbi. Then he kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came and grabbed Jesus and arrested him. You can imagine the fear that the disciples felt. This man that they had been following for three years of their life, the man who was supposed to be the son of God, the man who had miraculously healed all these people, who had literally raised people from the dead, he was being arrested and being taken off to what was a very likely death. You can imagine the questions that raced through their minds. Why did Jesus let that happen? What does that mean if that's gonna happen? What does it mean if he dies? What if, what if those people come after me? What if, what if, what if? The disciples were gripped by this fear and even still, even still, we expect that maybe, just maybe, the disciples would take the moment, seize it, would stand up for Jesus and would defend him. But that's not what they do at all, at all. One of them in fact takes a sword at that very moment and slices off the ear of the slave of a Roman soldier who is coming to arrest him. The other goes off and takes his own life. One denies that he even knew Jesus, even though Jesus had told him that he would deny him multiple times. And maybe most importantly, all, every single one of them flees the scene immediately. And it makes me wonder, it makes us wonder why? Why did they react so terribly? Jesus had taught them for years about how to act and how to be in the world. And it seemed in that one instant, they forgot everything that they had ever learned. Why did they act so seemingly out of character? It's because the disciples feel the fear and they react to it rather than respond. You see, reaction is something really different. Reaction is this 
automatic unconscious action driven by our brain's wiring. It's this ancient defense mechanism to stress. It's not really something we control or even something we think about. It's, it's not even something that we actually feel. It's meant to protect us from feeling. And so when those disciples feel that fear creeping in, they turn into people we can't even recognize. They turn into people who are self-protective, who flee, who fight. They turn into people that we don't want to be. That state of reaction keeps them in a place that we don't admire. But here's the thing. The longer you stay in a state of stress, the longer you stay in a state of fear or anger or sadness, the longer you endure an extended period of reacting just like the disciples did. You see, and when you're in that extended period of stress or fear or anger, most of us try to not feel the feelings that we're feeling. And we do all these different things to numb and escape them and get away from them. But ironically, the more that we do that, the more that those feelings come out in unhelpful and un unhelpful and destructive ways. That's where we are right now, isn't it? This prolonged period of stress, this prolonged period of reactivity. I mean, it's why I yelled at my three-year-old today, I don't care when he asked me for applesauce. That's all he wanted, applesauce. And I reacted in a state of anger, doing something I probably would never do. It's why my husband, Dan, sweet man that he is, totally snapped at me because I left the dishes undone for about four hours. But when you're in quarantine, that can feel like a lot of hours, right? It's why you made four pounds of brownies in the last week. It's why your pantry doesn't have any snacks in it suddenly after three weeks in quarantine. It's why you drank two bottles of wine over the last two days and have a home delivery set up so you can get more. It's why all this rain and cold that's come in over the last few days is actually devastating you. It's why you went to Target and you took the whole rack of disinfectant stuff, even though you only needed one or two cans and you knew that. It's why you watched an entire Tiger King series in one sitting. And it's why you have on your computer that little, that little counter of the death toll and the cases on CNN or Fox, and you have it constantly up on your newsfeed, there to remind you of the fear of what is going on. Crisis, what we're enduring right now, this extended period of stress, it turns us into reactive creatures. And reactive creatures do destructive, unhelpful, uncharacteristic things. We don't want to be in that state of reaction because when we're there, it really makes us do two things. 
First, it turns us inward. There's something about being in that constant state of reaction that narrows our world. Suddenly we become like the disciples, self-protective, trying to hoard and grab all the things that we can, running away, or maybe we're doing the opposite. We're standing our ground, we're trying to build our house and supplies and get all the things that we need because our focus in the world has narrowed down so drastically that all that matters is us. We forget to say thank you. We forget to share. All these habits that we used to have before have gone out the window. And the second thing that reaction does for us is that entrenches us in the emotion. Have you ever noticed that when you feel anger, sometimes that anger over time in someone can become their characteristic, their permanent state of being? So instead of feeling angry, they become angry people. Instead of feeling sad, they become generally just sad people. And instead of feeling fear, we become fearful people. You see, when you're caught in that state of reaction, that feeling needs to get out somehow, no matter how much you try to numb or escape it. And so it comes out as just your permanent state of being. Reaction and staying in that place, trying to numb and escape and avoid your feelings leads us to a place that we never wanted to be. It makes us act like those disciples on that Thursday night. But there was someone else in that equation, someone who saw the same storm, someone who felt the same fear. Jesus shows us a different way. You see, Jesus feels the emotion, but he doesn't react. He responds. On that night in the garden when he was in Gethsemane, the first thing that he says when he takes his disciples into the garden is he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And then he goes a little bit further And he fell with his face to the ground and he prays, Abba, which means father or daddy. If it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. You see, what I think is so remarkable about what Jesus does in this moment and where we this Holy Week have an opportunity to look at how he responds to fear He does three things that I think we can keep in mind as we go about our week this week. And the first is very simple, and yet it is something in my own life that I don't find that I'm doing enough. You see, the first thing that Jesus does is he feels the fear, and then he offers it up to the only one who can hold it with him. He prays. He stands open-handedly, not expecting that God will take it from him or God will make it better, but simply to share that he is feeling fear. 
So often throughout our day, we have these triggers that come in, whether it's a news cycle or our kids or something else in our world that feels abnormal and we get triggered and we react. We feel that anger or sadness or fear and everything about us tightens. And in that moment, we have the opportunity to take a breath and to say a prayer to God, God, take this fear from me. Do not what I want, but what you want with it. I hope as you go about your week this week, as you encounter those moments of reaction, that your first response is to take a breath, to say a prayer out loud or in your head and to offer it up to God. The second thing that Jesus does that I think is important for us when we're thinking about how to respond to this fear is very small and yet huge. You know what Jesus does after he prays? The soldiers come, he hears them we can presume. They come to arrest him and, and with them there's this huge crowd, right? This angry crowd. And do you know what he does? He gets up off the ground. He gets up off the ground, even knowing what's about to happen. He gets up off the ground and walks towards the soldiers. That's the problem with reaction. It keeps us in these cycles of fear and anger and sadness that feel impossible to escape. We get paralyzed and dragged down and our world feels smaller and we get sadder. But we also have the choice to get up off the ground in those moments, to think about all those habits that we used to have before and to continue living our life the way that we used to. Now I know that many of you can't continue with the same routines that you had before, I can't but there are small things. Small things we can do to get ourselves up off the ground. You can put the wine down. You can turn off the news. You can go for a walk again or a run again. You can go to sleep instead of watching that extra episode. You can put away the food. There are things that you can do to get up off the ground, to continue your life, to move forward. Because here's what Jesus did when he did that, when he got up off the ground. He made sure that even though he felt the fear, that fear did not have the final say in his life. And the last thing that Jesus did, and this is what I wanna leave you with this Holy Week, is he replaced fear with something else, something more reliable than an emotion, something deeper, a more truer calling. You see, as Jesus began to walk up that hill to Golgotha, as he started to walk towards his death, I'm sure he felt fear. I'm sure he felt anger and doubt and sadness and all the things that you're feeling right now. But also, there was something deeper motivating him. And that's something we call love.
You see, love is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It is a choice. I think the author of 1 John had it right. He says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. That is the wisdom of this Palm Sunday. Love and fear cannot exist in the same realm. The reality is, if you have too much fear, there's no space for love. But John shows us that the opposite is true too. If you make space for love, you have the potential to cast out fear. I know that love looks a little different right now. Love is not what we imagined it to be right now. I know that for you, love is gatherings of people, of being able to celebrate people with real birthday parties, to be able to go to people and give them hugs. Your version of love and how we used to live love three weeks ago looks really different. And the reality is that the choices that we have today, the choices to love others, to look outside of ourselves, a lot of them are slow and messy and awkward and painful and sacrificial. They don't feel like love anymore. But I also know, and I have seen you all making choices these last three weeks that are love. Love is you dropping off a handmade cake that you made for your mom so you could leave it on her porch because her 70th birthday was last week. And you knew you couldn't be there with her, so you left it for her there. Love is keeping your kids home from daycare because you don't want to contribute to the problem. Love is being the calm and patient person in your household when everything is chaotic. Love is forgiving your mom or your dad or your spouse when they snap at you at this time because you know that everyone is going through a hard time. Love is choosing to give generously even though the bills are coming in and the money feels tight. Love is distributing meals for DISD students here in person even though that feels scary. Love is choosing to be present in your home, even though numbing is so tempting and so accessible these days. Part of love is knowing that we're all in this together and recognizing that the well-being of others matters just as much as our own. And right now, that's gonna feel hard and it's gonna feel sacrificial and it's gonna feel burdensome. And most days it will not feel like love. But on this Palm Sunday, I want to remind you of something else that didn't look like love. A man on a cross, on a hill, outside Jerusalem. This week, 
this week before Easter, we have the opportunity to walk literally with Jesus towards that cross. We have the opportunity to both feel our fear and not react to it, but to offer it up to God, to get up off the ground and to choose love over fear, always. Let us pray. Holy and mysterious God, this Easter feels different. This time feels different. Maybe more so than any other week, it feels like we're journeying with you. There's a lot of fear right now. There's a lot of anger and sadness and doubt. I pray that in this crisis, you may lift us above reactivity. You may lift us to a place where we have choices to respond, where we may make more room for love and therefore less room for fear, and that we may able, be able to touch all the people in our lives and bring that love to them. It is in your name that is love defined Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Dallas area, we would love for you to visit us. For directions, service times, and more info, visit us at grove.org.